you know, sometimes as fundraisers, we just need somebody to sit with us, help narrow our focus, really figure out what to prioritize. Absolutely. We are all stretched so thin and we just don't have time for it all. And that's why you should call our friend Cindy at In The Know, because that's exactly what she's going to do. She's going to coach you through it, help you strategize about your fundraising, and just reduce some of that stress. And I feel like when you have someone like Cindy helping you, it just makes the fundraising work for you. And we can have more fun, we can raise more money, and ultimately, we can help more people. Absolutely. So check her out. You can find out more at In The Know llc.com slash reframe that's in the know k-n-o-w llc.com slash reframe hello i'm Brittany wilson i'm nia wasink and you're listening to the, the nonprofit, nonprofit reframe, reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. Uh, this is being released on the final Monday of September, which means today, do you know what today is? Today's the first day of fall. No, that's tomorrow. I thought it's the 21st. I think it's today. the 22nd. Yeah. Uh-uh. Well, that's not where I was okay. going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is today? Do you remember the 21st night of September? Oh my gosh. You're no? going to regret this later. I'm You're going to so regret gonna this. Regret <laughs> this is one of the classic Nia moves that later she says, oh my God, I fucking sang on the podcast and completely forgot about it. Because <laughs> I forget again that it's not just the two of us. <laughs> I know. And I know where you're getting at now. I have now caught up and I think I know what you're about to say. And it's even more of a reason... Um, of why I'm so excited to be back, quote unquote, in studio, which means in my house, in you and your house, just the two of us. Keep going. You like it? Keep going. I don't know it. I, I didn't have it. I don't know the name. <laughs> Can't we have an equally embarrassing episode? Oh my gosh. We're, we're here all day, folks. Because um, today is what? September 21st. <laughs> I just I just wanted to tie it in to some earth, wood, and fire. That's all. Um, remember when I said I knew what you were going to say and I had caught up? That's not it. <laughs> what did I you think? Thought, I thought you were going to announce that we, <laughs> we released the Rocky Mountain Philanthropy Institute episode today. I mean, we did. But that that's just another episode. I mean, it's old. Oh, my now. gosh. This intro has gone to hell. We And that's why I was saying I'm so excited for it just to be the two of us. It feels um, so comfortable. Because we don't have hundreds of people watching us in this moment. Exactly. I see. Nobody even has to know that this moment happened if we don't want them to. I mean, I can edit it out in post like I've done many <laughs> other times. 
we will see how brave I am when this comes to air. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, how was your weekend? It must be good if you're singing on a Monday morning. Well, I mean, the last 10 days have been wild, to put it mildly. Yes. Yes. Um, then kind of capped off with the devastating news Friday evening, which meant Ugh. I had a bit of a weepy weekend by myself at home. <laughs> you might want to tell the listeners what you're referring to. Um, well, Friday we lost Justice Ginsburg. I know. R.I.P. R.B.G. Yeah. I mean, I think we knew this day was obviously inevitable because it is for all of us. Um, but still way too soon. Yeah. It, I, I saw somebody tweet, like, it, it's less of a tragedy because we knew. You know, she was in her 80s. She had cancer. And at the same time, it's it's a tragedy because of who she was, what she did, um, and also really the protection that she had on the Supreme Court, which now feels really tenuous and scary. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this this mourning process that is also wrapped up in anger and fear. Yeah. Which makes it really hard. Did you watch her documentary? Yes. Over the weekend? Oh, not over Did the weekend, you? but I have in the past. Oh, I was going to watch it over the weekend and I didn't get a chance to, so I'm going to do it this week. It's good. I mean, when you think about the the impact she has had on our lives as women especially, it's Absolutely. remarkable. Yeah. I know. What a legend. Yeah. She um she's definitely paved the way for us. And um I hope we can make her proud. Yeah. Continue her fight. Yeah. Because we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. on a lot of different fronts. Ugh, that's so true. So, yeah, I mean, that that kind of dampened my weekend. Yeah, we just took, it, we just took a deep dive. <laughs> but it's, I was going to say. It started with earth, wind, and fire, and now. <laughs> but, hey, that is the reality. crashing down. That is it's real true. life, and that is definitely life in 2020. Um. But as you know, and I'm sure we're going to talk about more, you and I had a number of very important engagements over the last week and a half. I also had some additional speaking engagements on my own and that went all the way through Saturday evening. So yesterday morning, when I should have just like rested and recouped, it was like, oh, I haven't done laundry in a week and a half or gotten groceries yeah. or like dealt with the pond. And so I spent just all day getting my life back in order, which feels so good. And I'm so exhausted. <laughs> yeah. That feeling we've been out of town for many, many weekends in a row, just trying to take advantage of the good weather, mm -hmm. um, before things turn and, you know, as much fun and as refreshing as it is to get away, coming back on that Sunday without that prep time for the Ooh. week it just sets you up for failure. Yeah. You know, you start your Monday already feeling behind the eight ball. So yeah. good on you. And I know you're tired, but it's going to be worth it. Yeah. I sent my mom a picture of my fridge on Saturday, which was basically just condiments and creamer. And she sent me money for Chipotle. <laughs> That's hysterical. Oh, what a good mom. Thanks, mom. 
So Friday night, I had um, this really glorious thing happen to me. And it's made me realize that when you get in your 40s, um, the definition of a crazy night changes dramatically. Do we have to wait for our 40? Because I feel like I'm already there. <laughs> you might be. Because <laughs> I swear, you're, you're like wise beyond your years and i swear you're like an 80 year old stuck in your 25 year old body both wise and aged beyond my years <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> um so my I, it doesn't even matter what the circumstances are it just matters that i got a night completely to myself Ugh, completely amazing. to myself so no husband um, actually no dog, even oh. no children. It was just me and the cat. Oh. And I got crazy. I ordered my favorite Italian. <laughs> I had a bottle of my favorite wine and I watched, I binge watched my trashy CW TV show without judgment or shame. Nobody there to look at me in disgust. And, um, it was, it was so good. Ugh, so good. That sounds amazing. Right? <laughs> I can't imagine. I Like, I just, I can't even think of the last time I had a night just to myself. So. I'm so glad you got that. Thank you. Thank you. I feel refreshed. Good. So, speaking of refreshed, here we are back in the studio, like I said earlier, and coming off this uh, speaker circuit of sorts, <laughs> what are we talking about today? Well, you know, we it was a momentous opportunity for us to speak at the Rocky Mountain Philanthropy Institute, and then we followed that pretty quickly with emceeing an event, the two of us, because we yes. are the hottest show in nonprofits right now. So <laughs> that's what we're telling ourselves at least. <laughs> we thought it would be fun to both kind of debrief those experiences, you know, again, kind of pull back the curtain for our listeners, but also talk about, you know, what, what we really enjoy in conference speakers, why we attend them, what, what makes it something, you know, you really, you want to spend the time and money to continue to do. Well, and it's such a unique, I mean, that goes without saying, but a unique time um, where all these conferences are happening happening virtually. Some might say which, unprecedented. <laughs> some might drink. Um, but I, I feel, and I'm curious if um, it's what you've been hearing too, that a lot of co these conferences have had record attendance because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I know that um, the Rocky Mountain Philanthropy Institute, where we spoke, they capped attendance because they were, they were hitting limits of what they felt like would be effective engagement in the um, afternoon sessions, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I thought that they did a really good job of um, creating a layout throughout the day that had speakers, but then also had these opportunities for networking, yeah. which is hard. I mean, that's so awkward to do online. Yeah. Um, but they did it probably in some of the best ways that I've seen it done. Yeah. 
I was even thinking about that in the reception the evening before the, the Zoom session for uh, speakers and sponsors. Um, I ended up in a breakout room actually with two people I, I know, but who didn't know each other. And it was so great to have the opportunity to connect them because I think they're both just amazing fundraisers and they needed to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what do you look for in a conference speaker? As an attendee. As an attendee. Well, um, you know, I often want to walk away with new tools, um, you know, specific concepts, worksheets, things that I can go back and use in my daily life. Um, so practical information. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real practical. Um, but, you know, you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, so much of like what feels practical really depends on the delivery. Mm-hmm. You know, are they interesting? Are they engaging? Are they relatable? Like if somebody starts talking about fundraising or nonprofits at a level that is so foreign to me, I start to disconnect because it feels like their experience is so different from what I've ever experienced. Well, I think that's part of it, right, is knowing your audience. Yeah. And true, a lot of times you're going to have – oh, and first of all, let me just say, as I hear a chainsaw in my ear behind me, (laughs) I want to go ahead and apologize. We decided to move forward and do the recording anyway, even though my neighbor is having his cottonwood tree cut down right now. So if you hear some buzzing, um, that's not your computer or – your phone, that is, in fact, a chainsaw that's, I don't know, 50 yards away from me. Get rid so. of those goddamn cottonwoods. I hate them. <laughs> and the sticky stuff that ends up all over my dog and oh, I have whoa. to cut it out of his fur. Gross. Okay, I digress. So recognizing that depending on the conference, you're going to have a diverse audience anyways. But if you know that you're talking to predominantly people who, I don't know, work for, let's just say, like for small human service organizations, and you're coming in with information about like big national nonprofits, sometimes that that doesn't compute. Yeah, I remember you and I were at a conference together. I don't remember which one. But um, I was in a session where uh, the presenter came from this organization with a team of like 20 or 30 in the development department. And it was like, as she was explaining how she manages her her portfolio, it was so hard to connect because I was like, well, but that's all you do? Like that, you just have those major donors you're stewarding? You don't have to worry about any of this other stuff? Well, of course, that sounds like a great plan in that situation and I have never once had that be my situation (laughs) exactly or at least give that disclaimer right you know hey this is the perspective that I'm coming from and so if it's different from your reality this is why Mm -hmm. um but again uh recognizing that there are you know who is making up the room yeah well you know this was our first time doing a big session like this, right, to a pretty large group, and it was all on Zoom. What what was your experience like going through that, Brittany? Yeah, you know, (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, first of all, I will tell you, I posted on my own personal social media a picture of myself right before we were about to be introduced. And I said, you know, just about to be introduced to this conference, I think I'm going to vomit. <laughs> and I, that is by far my most liked post of the entire year. <laughs> Which I think is part of the reason why we wanted to do this episode, because by no means, by no means are we claiming to be the best conference speakers at all. No. I mean, this was a very new experience for us, and we learned a lot of lessons, and um, I was really, really nervous. And in fact, when we talked, when we did our opening... um, And we talked about the origin of how this podcast got started, and talking about our very first recording last December. And I even said I was probably as nervous for that very first recording as I am today. Yeah. Talk about vulnerability. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, Well, so you and I chatted the night before uh, to do one last prep session. And I, uh, I shared with you my level of nervousness then because the night before that, so Wednesday night, I had already started having stress dreams. Uh, which usually helps indicate like how stressed I actually am about something. Um, And my stress dream was that uh, we showed up and so many people disagreed with us and what we were saying that they left. And then the conference organizers were really mad at us because we basically blew up their conference, having been the first speaker of the day and getting rid of half their attendees. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I felt like you kept that, like, even until after we spoke. So, so Nia and I, we <laughs> were so good at playing off of, of being a support for each other because our insecurities come out at different times, and which is great. It means somebody can always be the rock. And that support system while the other person is crumbling and they can help lift them up just in time for then the rock to start crumbling and then that person can lift the other one up. So um, Nia tends to stress first and because I'm not even thinking about the day until like the day before. And so she's already, you know, because she plans ahead, knows what she's going to wear six days beforehand and has an outline and thank God it still loves me when I don't do any of those things. When I choose my dress the morning of, um, that, so she started that stressing. The conference was on Friday. That was on Wednesday. So then by the time it got to me, the morning of the night before she was solid again. And she's like, we got this. Yep. We got this. I think I probably sent you 10 text messages saying, we got this. (laughs) I think you did too. Yeah. And then we do the thing and we finish and I am on cloud nine. I'm like, oh my God, we did it. We did it. This is amazing. And I call her because I'm thinking we're going to celebrate. And I honestly didn't know what happened from the moment We finished our talk, and the 30 seconds later that I called her, if someone had died, because she was so forlorn, she was so morose, she was so, 
And I thought, what happened? And you went right back to your stress dream. Of like, what if people hated it? What if the... What if the people who put the conference on are so disappointed in the job that we did? <laughs> and yet when I asked you, well, what do you think was so bad about it? You said, well, I don't know because I blacked out for most of it. <laughs> Which is very true. Like my stress level was so high. I did not remember most of what we said until I went back and re-listened to it in preparation for releasing it as an episode. Like, there were so many times I was like, oh, I don't remember talking about that. That's cool. <laughs> Hysterical. So then, as I'm sitting here for days, days, pumping her up, you know, we did great. It was awesome. We did great. And we got a lot of positive feedback, and people were telling us that we did a great job. And I'm like, see, we did great. It wasn't until she finally got the recording, listened to it, and it was like, oh, my God, we were so awesome. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome back to reality. You know, we all uh, have different coping mechanisms. Most importantly, I kept it together during the session itself. You did. You rocked it. And I just think, man, we are our own worst critics yes. all the time. 100%. And that's scary. I mean, I was talking to friends about this, that when you go outside your comfort zone like that is where the real growth happens. Oh, for you sure. Know? And so I do feel like we gained some new skill sets and we're ready to take it on. Let's, when's the next one? Well, you know, the interesting thing in going to zoom, um, again, there, are, there are good things and bad things about it. Um, you know, you can't read the audience. You can't play off them. Like we have a joke. We can't hear that they're laughing about it. And so that's weird. Like in so many ways, it's still just the two of us talking. And yet yep. we know there are all these other people watching, but we can see the chat. Yeah. Uh, good, bad, and otherwise. Um, so for a lot of it, you know, lots of amen. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I experienced that too. Some people jumping in with jokes of their own. Um, but you can also see in real time when people disagree with you. And that is a bit unnerving. <laughs> I know. And those are the comments that I just ignore. <laughs> but those are the comments that you read. I, I'm sure this is where my therapist would talk about me, like, wanting to be liked and being a people pleaser and all the things that I've been working for years to shed. And yet I never want to disappoint. Um, but I, I did have a helpful reframe this weekend. I was thinking through it. I was listening to our episode again um, and kind of remembering when those comments happened as we were talking. Um, and, and just kind of reaffirmed for me that what we talk about on the podcast, uh, what we talk about in these presentations it's bigger than us and yes. part of what we're doing is trying to push the envelope and push people to see these inequities and these power dynamics and how they are negatively impacting all of us and the sector as a whole and it's okay that not everybody agrees with us or sees it right now hopefully they you know they took some nugget maybe they're still pondering some of the things we said and it it's part of pushing them in that direction. 
I mean, we say it in our intro that we're challenging the status quo, and it's a status quo for a reason, right? People have been kind of stuck in these thought patterns for decades upon decades upon decades. So if we just roll in and say, "Mm, maybe you should rethink that, not everybody's going to want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, yeah, I was talking to... (laughs) Uh Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Sure. Right. And I was talking to um, somebody who had been there uh, later in the week and uh, just kind of reflecting on the whole thing. And she said that, um, you know, not not everybody is ready for those discussions, but the people who are are excited for how we present in a way that's really accessible. Right. Like mm-hmm. we, we tell it through our stories with a little bit of humor Um, and it doesn't need to be all doom and gloomy and everything's awful, although right now it can feel that way. Um, and so it also, it was a little heartening to feel like the way we are doing this is also part of that change. Yeah. I mean, so I, you going back to the conversation around having this on zoom I do like that interaction. I really enjoyed seeing people's comments and some of them really funny and pulling that in and playing off of those, which is, um, wouldn't normally happen if you were just talking, standing up and talking to an entire room full of people. But I find it interesting. Um, just humor me for a second. Um, my kids are now doing virtual schooling. Oh yeah. And my kids cannot be, they're so different from each other. And if someone had, if someone asked me, well, which of your children is the most outgoing, most social? I would say um, it was my younger daughter. However, what I'm seeing is that on the, in the virtual space with school, she's extremely shy and withdrawn. And I'm recognizing how much she needs the physical aspect of her socialization, right? That she really thrives in that. Whereas my other daughter, who is not painfully shy, but she just has more anxiety in social settings and would be, um, tend to overthink and be hypercritical of herself in person, is really blossomed in this virtual environment and is raising her hand and talking and being more outgoing than I've ever seen her. And I'm recognizing that she feels safe, right? She feels safer because she's at home, which is where she feels the safest. And she has this barrier of the screen um, in front of whomever she's talking to. And so I think about that in conference speaking and, um, I can see both sides. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm one that definitely feeds off other people's energy. So I would prefer to be in a room with people and, like you said, be able to see their reactions and and use that energy to infuse the conversation. But there also is a safety of me just sitting and talking to you. And, yes, there's 130 people listening, but I can't see them. Mm-hmm. And so we can just be us talking. So I'm curious, you know, how you feel in that. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm going to take it forward to the next week. So you and I co-emceed an event 
the following week, which was this past week now. Um, also fully on Zoom. Um, so you were at home. I was at home. We raised a bunch of money. It was amazing. Yep. And then on Saturday night, I emceed an event for a nonprofit with their executive director where we were we were live, like we were at a church with lots of distance, um, but all the attendees were virtual. And so it was such an interesting experience to go from you and I co-emceeing virtually to me and her co-emceeing in person, but with the audience virtual. And even just having the two of us there in person felt so much more comfortable. Yeah. Right? Like, I, especially probably because I spent a lot of time on Zoom. Like, I'm so cautious about even, like, the um, the confirmation noises that you normally give. The, mm-hmm, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. That kind of stuff. Because, like, I don't want to pull the audio away from the other speaker. But then it also ends up feeling a little bit flat between the two of us. And I hate that. Like right yes. now when you your video just went away and I wasn't even sure if you were listening to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a low battery. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> Always in forever. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I could totally see that and how being in person – I look forward to the day. I mean, do you remember when we started this podcast, we did it in person with each other. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that day again. Yeah. I mean, October 2021, here we come. Yeah, right. I miss the um, oatmeal cream pies that you used to provide for I each know. of the recordings. What's funny is I was putting in a grocery order this weekend and it came up as like a recommended thing. And I was like, I haven't bought those in months. I know. Cause I haven't been there. I know. It's so sad. Anyway, <laughs> got a little bit off topic there, but yeah, I mean, like I think similar to your daughters, there are real benefits to these kind of experiences. Um, you know, it was also nice to not have to take two full days off of work yep. to do the presentation and, like, immediately when we were done, I could, like, lay on my bed and take a deep breath and, you know, have some of the comforts of home. And also, it's kind of nice to have that time away to know, like, this is my professional development time and that that's what I'm going for. So, yeah, I think the impacts of a year plus on Zoom or however long this lasts uh, will be felt very differently by different people. And they'll be both really positive things and really negative and challenging things. Well, so you have been to quite a few conferences and attended um, the different seminars that people put on. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about you know, knowing your audience and being relatable. But what do you think about consultants versus people who are working in the field directly? Yeah, there's definitely been a real push in the last few years for these um, for conference speakers to be more direct practitioners. So, like, for an AFP kind of conference, actual fundraisers. But I find that the best sessions for me are actually dual. So you've got a practitioner there who can talk about their own experience, who can kind of bring alive the concepts, but you also have a consultant with maybe a broader perspective who can pull in different ideas from their clients and also just like what's happening in the sector as a whole. I think that's one of my favorite parts about being a consultant is I've got, I have an opportunity 
to see what's going on and trends and themes before maybe your individual organization is impacted by it or experiences it. Sure. And so the, the sessions where it's a combined consultant or, or, you know, sector advocate, something like that with a direct practitioner, I find to be the most useful and the ones that stick with me long-term. Are you just describing us? Oh my God, did I? I didn't even mean to. (laughs) (laughs) No, I do see that though. Um, I've noticed the same thing because as much as you need to know your audience, you also have to be able to reflect on those different perspectives. And if you're, if you're so ingrained in just your one position, it's harder to get that bird's eye view. Yeah. And that's where a consultant is really helpful. I'm going to take this back many, many years. So I went to the, what is it? Ispacan international something, something, something child abuse. Um, so huge conference in San Diego every year about child abuse and I was new in the child welfare arena. And so my director at the time sent me to this um, pre-conference all-day session on, like, Child Abuse 101. And all the presenters were, like, long-term practitioners. Well, anybody in a field that is kind of high trauma, high exposure, you get really desensitized, right? Like, that's how yeah. you survive. Um, and, you know, I especially in child welfare, I found that like a lot of the humor gets kind of dark and that's how people cope. So I'm, again, I'm brand new in child welfare, maybe been on the job like six, nine months. And it was an entire day of in-depth child abuse videos, photos, harsh descriptions. And I remember going back that night uh, with the the two other women from my organization who had been in the field for years and looking shell-shocked and both of them being like, okay, let's go get a drink. We're going to debrief this. It's okay. And we're sorry that that was your experience today. But I I just kept thinking like, gosh, I wonder if there's a way you could have done this without the high trauma exposure. Right. And do you think there was? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, one thing that's a little bit unique for us when we do these speaking engagements is that who we're representing when we come in. Yeah. And I'll be very transparent and honest that that's really difficult for me sometimes. So, I mean... I bet uh, the event on Tuesday night, especially. Yeah. So here we were, we, you know, hosted and emceed this fundraiser for an organization that we're both volunteers for. But then um, I work for an organization that is um, a client of theirs, basically. Um, And then we also have this podcast. And they didn't ask us to do it as the nonprofit reframe. They asked us to do it as Nia and Brittany. But also, can you really separate Nia and Brittany from the nonprofit reframe? Exactly. <laughs> but the but the but when we were talking at Rocky Mountain Philanthropy Institute, people were coming to hear us talk as 
the nonprofit reframe. Right. And when we were emceeing, we were representing the organization that we were raising money for. Right. And so sometimes it's really difficult to recognize which hat I have on. Oh, totally. Like shifting those roles around and yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some of my personal beliefs and opinions that I give on this podcast are not shared by others Mm. that I work with. And so having to keep those separate um, in an industry that is so interconnected. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I think I texted you like as we were waiting to go on to the conference um, and, you know, you're seeing everybody pop up on the screen and all the attendees. And I saw two former clients of mine pop up, um, clients who my guess is don't know about the podcast. And I would, again, guess, I don't, I don't want to make a total assumption, but I don't think probably fully align with the kinds of things we talk about. And it was this real moment of like, oh, shoot. I hope I don't like really offend them because we had such a great relationship as clients. Also, I would like to just say that I just said shoot instead of shit for some reason. (laughs) Because we've had to tone down our language. What, is there a child around here? Oh, gosh darn it. (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, that that was another part of it, right? I mean, we recognize that. Come on. We did this podcast for us. I mean, we did it for people to, to have an empathetic ear and an outlet and a place to find solidarity. But at the end of the day, this is ours, right? And yeah. so we can say whatever the fuck we want. But when we go and we're in a professional setting and we're representing somebody else, we need to re- be respectful of that. And, of course, we're professionals above all else. So we recognize that. And <laughs> it can be hard. So, if you want to book us where we will be professionals and not swear at your event, email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. <laughs> but most importantly, when we talked about this, and I don't know if we've kind of gotten to this point in this conversation, because again, we're just having a conversation like we always do. We don't ever really know where it's going to end up. But we did, before we started this conversation, talk about some of the takeaways. And one of the takeaways is that if we can do it, you can do it. You can totally do it. You know, I found, too, that especially attendees at these kinds of conferences where you're all in the same field, they are very forgiving, right? If you get up there, you stumble over your words. Like, I've just felt so much support. And I, I, I do speak at a lot of conferences, especially locally, you know, Colorado Profit Association. I've spoken at RMPI in the past. Never a plenary, to be clear. That this, That has been new. But... You know, a smile and a, oh gosh, oops, I, I messed up or the technology isn't working. Like people totally understand that. And so this this opportunity, I think, really presents itself for any of you out there listening to be speakers. You know, you've got something that works well in your life, in your your work life, to be clear. I mean, there are other kinds of conferences where you can talk about your real life. Um, but (laughs) like get up and share it that that's part of what allows us all to continue to grow and develop. I mean, there've been so many times where I was like, Oh, that is so simple. Why didn't I think of that? That is going to really improve the way that I plan my year end appeal or, or whatever it is. So all of you out there who are practitioners, like 
push yourself to share some of the great things you've learned with the rest of the sector? Well, and to tie this all the way back around to what we've been discussing with these conferences going virtual, you don't have the geographic limitations that you once had. So all of these conferences need great speakers. And you can be a speaker at a conference anywhere in the world right now. Why are you saying that to me, Brittany? Hey, putting it in the universe. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if you're passionate about something and you have something you want to say that you think people either need to hear or would love to hear, you know, find that growth. Find that where you're um, outside your comfort zone. Push into that and apply to be a speaker at some of these conferences. I I just had a flashback to one of those things that I totally blacked out on in our session (laughs) until I re-listened. And it was you committing us to starting a members program. That's correct. That's correct. Well, because the year before is when we had made the declaration to start the podcast at RMPI. And look at this. Lo and behold, a year later, it happened. Um, so I wanted to push the envelope and see, well, that worked. What else can we put out there to see if it works? Oh, Brittany. <laughs> I know. I love it. You love it. That's why you love me. Got to take risks. So if we're going to take that risk and figure out how the hell to do that, you can be a conference speaker. We believe in you. Yes. I'll say to all of our listeners what I told Brittany many times last week. You got it. You totally got it. You got this. You got this. Um, We want to hear, though, if you end up doing it, uh, share your stories with us. Oh, my gosh. We would love that. You know, good, bad, and otherwise, as we always say. We love to hear it all. Yes. Please, uh... You can contact us through our social medias, which hopefully you're following by now. We're at Nonprofit Reframe on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And also you can always email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. Um, and yes, we have a Gmail account because I don't, I don't want to pay to convert it to our actual domain. That's next year. <laughs> or, or never. Like, why waste the money? Or never. Or never. And it would not be an episode of the Nonprofit Reframe if we didn't end it by saying, if you have the capacity, now is the time. Please support your local nonprofits by giving and giving generously. Thanks, everybody. We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.